Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, welcome back to the channel. Today we're going over the do not draft, put up the caution tape, red flags, red X's. You're not touching these running backs for in a variety of reasons specific to their situations that we're going to get into a good five or six running backs in this video today. And once again, just like the must draft running backs, which if you haven't checked that one out yet, check out that one and the playlist of fantasy football 2020 videos. It'll be at the end of this video. You can check it out. You can watch all of them. You can get educated. You can beat your friends. You can take their money. You can take the bragging rights, whatever you got to do. But just like the must draft running backs, this is based on ADP, your average draft position. It's based on value. So for a very easy comparison, although I don't believe this, if you were to tell me that Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes was a a must avoid, a do not draft this season at the quarterback position because they're not the same value, I would at least agree with you that they're not the same value as they were before they broke out. Patrick Mahomes was going undrafted the year that he broke out two years ago. Lamar Jackson was going undrafted in fantasy drafts or very late pick last year, the year that he broke out. You're not going to get better value than that compared to this year when they're going to be the first and second or, or a top three quarterback off the board in most fantasy formats. So these do not draft these running backs are based completely on their value. Like obviously if these guys are sliding into the sixth and seventh round and you draft them with a bunch of student odds for some reason, then yes, obviously be drafting them at that point. But we're trying not to reach for these players when other people in our leagues are definitely going to reach for them based on the average draft position, based on their their thinking of what they did last year. They're thinking that their situations have not changed, even though maybe the coaching staff or new players are now in their backfields. We're going to go through those running backs in this video and I'm so happy for you to be here. Sit down, relax, take your shoes off. Let's get into this video. Big old fancy subscribe button is about to pop up on my head right now. And if you can take a second, bottom right hand corner, hit that subscribe button. It allows this video to be seen by more people. And then it allows me to just continue to put as much work as I do into creating these videos, hitting the like button, and mainly the notification bell with that subscribe button helps me out a ton. In the description below, you will find some free giveaways. I have my top 50 rookies ranked for the 2020 fantasy football season as of right now down there, and some other free strategy guides in the daily fantasy sports space. I will also have a draft guide down there shortly, depending on when you're watching this. If you're watching this later in May or in another month, there will be a draft guide down there. So you can check that out if you're indeed interested for the fantasy football 2020 season. Now, what we've been doing is a question of the day. And I asked this exact same question right after the draft in one of my videos for draft winners. And it was Aaron Jones, who's on the screen right now, the, the handsome fella on the screen behind me, Aaron Jones or Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the first round, the only first round rookie running back going to the Chiefs in fantasy formats this year. No, that's not a trick question. They are a lot closer than a lot of people expect. Let me know in the comments down below right now, Aaron Jones or Clyde Edwards P. Lair. All right, fellas, buckle up. Let's get into it. Starting with Aaron Jones himself. Aaron Jones last year in this Packers offense played all 16 games. He played on around 63% of the snaps, had 236 carries, over a thousand yards, and a ridiculous, a ridiculous 19 touchdowns, a 6.7% touchdown rate, even though he was on a team that ran nowhere near as much as the Baltimore Ravens, the San Francisco 49ers, he still popped up with 19 touchdowns. It seemed like every single time they were in the red zone, it was the Aaron Jones show. He had a couple of three touchdown games. I believe he even had a four touchdown game against the Cowboys last year. His 17.8 total touches per game, when you factor in his 49 receptions on 69 targets, ranked 10th amongst all running backs. He was 11th in red zone touches, 11th in overall RB targets, and first in TDs. 19 touchdowns, baby. First in TDs. Third in fantasy points per game at 19.7, but he's also a very good back. Now, obviously, touchdown regression is in store for him, and that's one of the reasons I don't want to draft him, but he was fourth in evaded tackles last year, running behind the eighth-ranked offensive line. That's going to add up to touchdowns. It's going to add up to production. When you can create yards for yourself, sixth in yards created overall out of all the running backs, and you actually have an offensive line that can help you out and assist you there, it's only going to lead to ceilings in terms of your statistical performances. But that's exactly what you got out of Aaron Jones last year. The mecca of all 
Mecca's, his ceiling of all ceilings in terms of his career. You're not going to get him to, or at least I'm not going to bet on it in the second round of drafts or even the third round at this point, Aaron Jones being a 19 touchdown guy. I'm not even going to bet on the guy scoring 12 or more touchdowns. I'm just not going to bet on that. When you look back at history, guys who score 19 touchdowns on the ground and are not in these workhorse roles, again, he only played 62% of the snaps, not a 90 plus percent of the snaps like McCaffrey or Zeke or Saquon. Now you're getting into a guy who's likely due to regress to somewhere around eight to 10 to maybe 12 touchdowns. And if you take out all the touchdowns for every single running back in the league, obviously this is not ever going to be the case. But if you do, he goes from third in fantasy points per game for PPR formats to outside the top 15. That's how reliant on touchdowns his production was. He barely rushed for a thousand yards. He only caught 49 balls. 49 balls is a good reception total, but it's not the elite of all elite statuses. So what did the Packers do in the offseason? And did anything actually help Aaron Jones? In the short, no. In the additions, they actually signed tackle Rick Wagner. So that helps a little bit. And then they re- signed Mercedes Lewis, who's a very good run blocking tight end. So yes, that helps the run game in general. They lost Brian Balaga, who actually now is with the Chargers. That is a huge, huge loss for them. And then they let Jimmy Graham and Geronimo Allison go. Those are not major losses. But in the NFL draft, baby, Jordan Love in the first round. And then this is the big one. A.J. Dillon in the second round. Somebody in A.J. Dillon that I didn't even think was worth a, a third round, a fourth round pick. I would have started to consider A.J. Dillon in the fifth round, if anything. A.J. Dillon is somebody who is just a true grinder. He would have been good in maybe 2002 as a running back in the NFL. Somebody who only has had 21 receptions in his college career, even though he had 845 carries over the last three seasons. Okay, so they signed a running back in the second round. Well, then they get a fullback in the third round and they signed three sixth round linemen so it's pretty obvious what they're trying to do here it's screaming just run the ball because recency bias of this donkey head coach and Matt LaFleur says we just got beat twice really badly including the NFC championship game by a mastermind on offense and Kyle Shanahan who loves to run the ball let me just try and do that and see if it'll work that that should work just just copycatting him because I'm just as smart as him and have just as great personnel no it's terrible recency bias but that's the way the Packers are shaping up right now Aaron Jones is on an expiring contract they sign AJ Dillon and touchdown regression is in store for him these things don't make me feel good. Now, the durability of Aaron Jones, he's missed five games over the last three seasons due to injury. Three in 2017 due to an MCL sprain, and the final two games of the 2018 season due to a knee sprain. He appeared on the injury report just twice last year with a shoulder injury, but he did not miss any time. And in my opinion, Aaron Jones is probably one of the most, if not the most underrated running back in the league. Last year's breakout season in the touchdown department might have actually caught a lot of the public up to standards on him, and the fantasy football community has been screaming free Aaron Jones all back to the Mike McCarthy days for a while, but he is so underappreciated what he does with the ball in his hands in space, very similar to his player comp on playerprofile.com behind me in Christian McCaffrey. Backfield competition is Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon. Even if you didn't have AJ Dillon back there, I still wouldn't want Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams, before the NFL draft happened, pre-draft, Matt LaFleur was quoted as saying, we don't want Aaron Jones to be taking on a big workload. He took on 62% of the snaps last year and Matt LaFleur thought that was a lot. He wants more more closer to a 50-50 split between Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. And we saw it at a lot of games last year. There were games where Jamal Williams was playing 60% of the snaps. So just in general, if you have a guy who's playing only 55-60% of the snaps and close to that what Jones did last year at 62%. I don't want to be spending a second round draft pick on a guy whose head coach doesn't even want him to see more than 50% of the snaps each game. Last year, Jamal Williams played on literally 40% of the snaps. He saw 10.8 opportunities per game, 20 red zone touches, and six touchdowns. It's crazy that Aaron Jones sees 19 touchdowns and Jamal Williams is still able to see six. Just in general, this Packers running back backfield is due for regression from their 25 total touchdowns last season. 40% of the snaps for Jamal Williams, AJ Dilling being back there and, and being spent a second round pick on is going to see some sort of usage 
usage and potentially as a huge body back third down usage short distance usage and the big one the red zone usage which will knock the heck out of Aaron Jones touchdown regression already so based on the pre-draft comments of wanting to use a heavy running back by committee again for the floor and reduce Aaron Jones's role and then the draft pick of AJ Dillon who is very much a goal line back and going to be a grinder on short distance and in the red zone I'm not so excited to be drafting Aaron Jones based on his current draft value of like the second or third round even I'd rather let other people pass on it rather let other people whiff on the guy who I think he's a good running back but for me right now he's outside my top 15 overall ranks at running back and I know that's going to be like a bold stance for a lot of people but just wait until the season gets closer it's going to be coming to a fruition about how bad of a situation this is going to be for Aaron Jones relative to last year if you like the Aaron Jones talk big old subscribe button smash it right now and hit the notification bell because now we're getting into the Buffalo Bills Devin Singletary and boy oh boy if you watched my videos like a month ago when I started doing the NFL stuff in the offseason I like Devin Singletary he was a buy for me at his current draft spot but now after the NFL draft he's a complete sell. I don't want a single Devin Singletary share. I don't even want to be drafting this guy in the third round. I don't care if he's still there. I'm going to be finding a wide receiver or a different running back who, in my opinion, has more upside. In 2019, in 16 games, Devin Singletary played 69% of the snaps, went for 151 carries, over 750 yards, four touchdowns. He caught 29 of 42 targets for 194 yards. He had 19.7 total touches per game over the final six games. Those final six games was when Frank Gore was pretty much phased out of the offense, and he had 15.1 touches per game over the entire season. So he saw about four and a half, closer to five more touches per game once Frank Gore was out of the offense. Buffalo ran the six most times per game at 29.1 rush attempts per game. He was third in breakaway runs. These are some crazy numbers now for a rookie. Fifth in true yards per carry at 4.9. And he had a top 10 game script overall in 2019. He was top 10 in 15 plus yard runs, even though he had 70 less runs than all the guys ahead of him and over 100 less runs than seven out of the nine players ahead of him in that department. His offensive line was ranked 17th overall last year by PFF of every average unit. So a very strong year last year for Devin Singletary. And if there was no Frank Gore, which there's not going to be, and no other running backs in this backfield that were going to threaten him, like a TJ Yeldon, who before the draft was mainly the backup, I was going to like Devin Singletary as a guy who there was 37% of the red zone carries on the table now since Frank Gore was gone. There was 30 to 40% of the snaps overall on the table now because Frank Gore was gone. And we saw the overall usage spike to 20 touches per game for Singletary over those six games last year. You saw a really nice workhorse role for him. No, no, the offseason additions, mainly in the NFL draft, have me concerned. So if you look at the additions in general, they added Stefan Diggs in a huge blockbuster trade to start off the free agency right before the free agency period. And then they added a couple of guards as well. No major subtractions on the offensive side of the ball for them. But in the NFL draft, they take a third round running back, Zach Moss, huge, huge pick for them and a huge blow to Devin Singletary's overall upside. They take Gabriel Davis, a wide receiver at a UCF in the fourth round, Jake Fromm, backup quarterback, and then Isaiah Hodges in the sixth round at wide receiver. So this Zach Moss pick, in my opinion, is brutal. We already have right after the draft, the press conference saying that they don't want Devin Singletary to do what he did the final six games last year. They want Zach Moss to come in and play the Frank Gore role. Well, that's terrible for Devin Singletary because he was only seeing 14.8 to 15 touches per game when Frank Gore was actually playing and he was seeing no red zone work. Josh Allen saw 30% of the red zone work last year as a quarterback. Frank Gore saw almost 40% of the red zone work last year. But here's the real kicker that not a lot of people are going to point out to you when they're comparing Frank Gore to Zach Moss. Frank Gore was 36 to 37 years old last year in Buffalo. Zach Moss is coming in as a rookie in his early 20s. He's going to be better. He's going to be more efficient, you would think, than the old cloud of dust in Frank Gore. Although he's taking on the exact same role as Frank Gore, he's going to be more efficient in that role and likely earn more work if that's the case. If Zach Moss comes in and starts playing 40% of the snaps overall, this is going to absolutely hammer Devin Singletary. Zach Moss last year in college saw 235 carries for over 1,400 yards and 17 touchdowns. He was a beast in the red zone. He caught 28 of 29 targets. He's caught 28 passes in two out of his last three seasons at college and a 9% target share in college. That's going to hurt Singletary, who although saw some targets last year and was actually decent in the passing game when he got them, now he's going to have a threat in the passing game. 
Now he's going to have a threat around the red zone. Those are high upside touches in fantasy. You want touchdowns and you want receptions in PPR formats from your running backs. And he has a threat there now in both of those departments. And he has another threat in his quarterback in the red zone department. Durability of a guy like Devin Singletary last year, he missed four games as a rookie due to a hamstring strain early to middle part of the season. And then not much after that to go off of. So uh, we can't really knock that against him as a young player. He came back and he was able to play. He actually came back ahead of schedule. But last year, Frank Gore's role in this offense was 37% of the snaps, 12 total touches per game and almost two red zone touches per game. He had two total touchdowns. He was a cloud of dust. He was 60th in true yards per carry at 3.4, 60th out of 32 teams in the NFL. He was the 60th running back. He was so bad. He was literally like the worst backup or the worst 1A, 1B RBCC in the entire league last year. And now you get a young rookie in Zach Moss who's going to take over and just naturally, naturally he's going to have to do better than 60th in the league in true yards per carry. I am very concerned for Devin Singletary. A lot of people are trying to take him as an RB2. I've been seeing him being taken as the second round pick for a lot of people pairing up back-to-back running backs. There are so many better players that you can get in that range of where Devin Singletary is going that have higher upside. Whenever a running back, a threat of a running back is coming in and they speak highly of him to be in a running back by committee with you and that running back can both catch the ball and they want him to be used in the red zone role that Frank Gore was used in last year. Red flags, sirens, caution tape should be going up in your head. Do not draft Devin Singletary as of right now, as of this recording. I'm hearing everywhere about how Raheem Mostert was a draft winner because they traded away Matt Breida, the guy who can stay healthy for four games at best in a season to the Dolphins. And and that's why he's automatically now a draft winner as if they don't have an alumni of other guys back there, as if they didn't sign a one-year tenure on Jeff Wilson, as if they don't have a ton of money still for one more year to be paying Tevin Coleman, as if who knows what's happening with Jarek McKinnon these days on this running back depth chart and what else they're going to be signing in their backfield. Look, we talked about the Aaron Jones and everybody's really been talking about it. If you look around the industry at some podcasts and really on Twitter, Aaron Jones touchdown regression, Aaron Jones touchdown regression, 19 total touchdowns, 6.7% touchdown. Great. Yes, that's, that's obviously due for regression. And I get that Raheem Mostert's in a much better run blocking offense overall. They ran the second most times per game last year at 31.1. I understand all of that, but he had a insane touchdown rate as well. He had a 6.62% touchdown rate, very close to the 6.67% touchdown rate of Aaron Jones. He saw 10 touchdowns on 151 total touches. That is insane. If he was having a workhorse role, he would have seen somewhere around 18 to 19 touchdowns is what that comes out to. Problem is he's never going to see a workhorse role. Last year, he saw 36.4% of the snaps in 15 games, 137 carries, 772 yards, and 10 touchdowns got 14 of 22 targets for 180 yards. He had about 10.1 touches per game in the regular season. The second half of the season, the final eight games of the year for him, he had 11.5 touches per game. So he actually saw the increase. But the reason everybody's so gung-ho about the guy is because in the playoffs, everybody saw what he did. He put his thing down. He was fantastic against the Green Bay Packers and he ran all over them. And now because he ran all over them in that one recency bias event, everybody wants to be drafting where he most starts in their drafts, or at least that's the expectation I get out of him as he's going 40th overall right now in the FFPC. And there's no way in hell I'm drafting this guy in the third or fourth round of my drafts. I do not want Raheem Mostart as my RB2. Does, does anybody remember what the San Francisco 49ers do? They were using three to four running backs, four running backs active last year on half of their games, and definitely were using three in most of those games. They were using random guys. Jeff Wilson at times, just a goal line back. Uh, they were using Matt Breida. They were using Tevin Coleman. They were using Raheem Mostart. It didn't matter. Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, was involved. There are so many guys in this backfield still, even after Matt Breida is gone, I do not have any interest in drafting a guy in the fourth round who might only go out there and play 40% of the snaps. That sounds absolutely awful. He was insanely efficient last year 
year, not only in the touchdown department, but just all over the field. He was the number one running back in true yards per carry, 5.3 yards per carry. He was the number one running back in breakaway runs. Those are runs of 15 or more yards. He was number four in yards per touch. So he was actually creating some yards by himself as well. He had a top five run blocking unit last year, according to PFF. Joe Staley is gone, but they did trade during the draft for Trent Williams. So it's going to be too much of a drop off. So a ton of great numbers last year for him. I mean, he was like the best running back in the league based on a per touch basis almost out of Raheem Mostar. But why don't I want him? For that exact reason. He hit his ceiling last year. He had 10 touchdowns and 151 touches. And now people just don't think Tevin Coleman was hurt for a lot of the games last year. As long as all the running backs in his backfield stay healthy. And that's how you have to project it for right now because you, you don't know if they're going to get hurt, when they're going to get hurt, and you don't want to hope that they get hurt. If that's the case, there's not going to be enough carries to go around for this guy, in my opinion, for him to actually be a fourth round running back pick, your RB2, and be worthy of that spot. The fact that he was so efficient last year, similar to Devin Singletary, similar to Aaron Jones, is why I want to fade these guys. Those might be the most efficient years of their season based on historical data. Him being back-to-back years, the number one player in yards per carry, true yards per carry, and top five in all the other efficiency metrics, including touchdown rate, it's just not sustainable for your entire career. So why bet on it for back-to-back years when everybody else is overdrafting the guy? You could have got Raheem Mostert on the free agent spot last year. Obviously, that's good value. Now, at the fourth overall pick on your on your teams, it's not good value anymore. Fine, if he falls to the sixth round, I'll consider it, but he's never going to fall there as of this point because of what he did in the NFC Championship game. Everybody thinks that that's just what he's going to do every single game at this point, and they fail to realize that that's not the case. He was in like the best possible situation last year, and that's fine. He's going back to the same head coach, the same offense to an extent, but I'm not banking on back-to-back years for this guy to be uh, one of the best running backs in the entire league on a per-touch basis last year, especially when his sample gets bigger. I don't think he's coming in and playing 60% of the snaps at this point. I think at best you can expect Raheem Mostar towards the end of the year to be like a 50 to 55% snap guy with a more realistic outcome being right around 45 to 50% of the snaps because there's going to be three to four running backs used in this offense. It's only a matter of time. When you want to talk about durability for Raheem Mostar in 2016, he had a hamstring injury. 2017, he had a shoulder injury. He missed eight games in 2018 with a fractured arm. He had a knee sprain last year that kept him on the injury report for five weeks. So there is some injury history there that's a concern. It seems like this is the case for all San Francisco backs with Tevin Coleman and the former Matt Breida being back there and even Jeff Wilson to an extent. The backfield competition is Coleman, is Wilson, is maybe McKinnon, who knows what's up with him. But Coleman last year played 41.6% of the snaps, more snaps. He's he's worth more money than Raheem Mostar, the undrafted free agent last year. He had over 500 yards and seven touchdowns caught 21 of 30 targets for 180 yards. Coleman is on the final year of his two-year $8.5 million contract, and he's due about $4.55 million in base salary this year. That is a lot more money than Raheem Mostar is due, so just incentive-based, and he's been at least somewhat productive. He was productive last year to an extent. He's not going anywhere in this backfield. Coleman is likely, with no Matt Breida being there, going to see at least 40% of the snaps. They signed Jeff Wilson to the one-year tenure, so he's probably going to see at least 5 to 10% of the snaps. So just naturally, outside of injury, Raheem Mostar is going to be pushing for 50% of the snaps or so. And again, I don't want that out of my fourth round pick. And I really don't know what's up with Jarrett McKinnon. He cannot be on this team anymore. Everything that I've looked at says that he is. Obviously, he was hurt last year. He's been hurt nonstop. We'll see if he actually gets on the field and is able to do anything. And if that's the case, it only gets worse for Raheem Mostert. All right, real quick, real quick. You're relaxing. You're sitting there. I hope you're still enjoying yourself. But real quick, the logo above me is Monkey Knife Fight. The promotion below me is fantastic. $15 free dollars with a minimum deposit. Monkey Knife Fight, if you are not familiar, is a player prop site. You can bet on over-unders over there. More or less, this is what they call it. fantasy points. If it's a running back, you can bet on their overall touchdowns, receptions, rushing yards, all that stuff. If you want to put in a minimum deposit, and it's a really great site, they're the fastest growing uh, gaming site in the North America spot. So it's fantastic. If you want to put in a minimum deposit of $10, they'll give you $15 back if you let them know you came by me from me from using my link down below 
or the promo code VETRI. You want to put in $50, they'll give you $55 back. So they'll 100% match you plus $5 all the way up to 50 bucks. So check it out. It's a really good offer. If you haven't gotten into fantasy betting yet or just betting in general player props, this is a great spot to start. And if you have and you have been, well, then why are you not taking advantage of another promotion right now? So check it out. Monkey Knife Fight promo code VETRI. 100% deposit match up to $50 plus an extra five bucks. Let's get back into the video. So if you're still watching to this point, you're probably ripping your hair out. You're probably really mad. Aaron Jones is a do not draft. Uh, what are you talking about? Raheem Mostar one ham on the Packers. This is based on draft capital draft value for your fantasy drafts. If Aaron Jones falls to the fourth round, snag him. I'm not taking the guy in the second round where he's going right now. I don't even want the guy in the third round based on my rankings where he's going right now. And I don't want Mark Ingram right now where he's going right around the fifth round. Mark Ingram being drafted in the fifth round, maybe he's your flex option, but more times than not, he's probably, if you're taking him there, going to be your RB2. And that's not what I want. In 2019, Mark Ingram played 15 games. He saw barely 200 carries, 201 carries, 26 receptions on 30 targets, and he had 15 total touchdowns. He had 15.2 touches per game. That ranked 21st in the league. 21st in the entire league, 15.2 per game, yet he scores 15 touchdowns. Very similar to the Aaron Jones and the Raheem starts this guy had a 6.6 percent touchdown rate that is an insane touchdown rate on the touches that he was having his average touches per game were 15 his touchdowns on the season were 15 that number usually doesn't add up baltimore was the number one rushing offense though last year and they ran the most rushing plays per game at 37.2 he saw 3.1 red zone touches per game which was eighth in the league on just 49.8 percent of the snaps that is crazy he was fourth in touchdowns out of all running backs with 15 again a ridiculous 6.6 percent 15.9 fantasy points per game ranked 10th in the league his true carries were 4.7 which was seventh in the league he was also the number one player in game script because baltimore just got ahead of people and then they ran the ball non-stop because that's all they did last year his offensive line was ranked top three third overall according to pff last year in the run blocking department and they did use more lose marshall yonda to retirement marking him he had a very good year last year and he had a very efficient year last year but now he's going to be almost 31 years old so he did all that all that efficiency as a 30 year old running back with not much competition behind him Gus Edwards rookie Justice Hill last year they definitely were a factor especially Edwards but not a ton and he was insanely insanely efficient especially in the passing game but just overall with that 6.6 percent touchdown rate. and it's a little bit more sustainable when you're in a number one rushing offense and for Raheem Mostart when you're in a number two rushing offense in terms of plays per game but just expecting that to carry over to the next year especially for a guy Mark Ingram who's now almost 31 years old is really difficult to see, especially when they drafted J.K. Dobbins. So in their offseason, they added a center and Matt Skira, a one-year free agent tender, but they had some big losses. Hayden Hurst, the tight end. And also the biggest one was Marsha Yanda, who enters retirement. In the NFL draft, they did a lot of things, though. They added J.K. Dobbins in the second round, the rookie running back out of Ohio State. They added Devin Duvernay in the third round, a wide receiver, and they went with some huge, huge offensive line pieces who they're hoping can replace Yanda in Tyree Phillips in the third round, interior offensive lineman, then Ben Bredesen in the fourth round. So they bolstered up the offensive line, but are those going to be immediate replacements? Probably, but are they going to be as good as Yonda? Probably not, who's likely going to go down as a Hall of Famer at this point. So your offensive line gets a little bit worse. You continue to age. You're really not known for your pass catching abilities, and you're getting so much benefit out of playing with Lamar Jackson, although that also takes away from you all, all of what he does in the red zone. It adds a lot of deception as well, so it opens up more running lanes, and that's exactly what happened with Mark Ingram last year. So for a 30 and a half year old running back, he actually has some pretty good injury history. He's only missed five games since 2015. Four of those were actually in 2015 with a torn rotator cuff. And then the other one was when he missed last year with a calf strain. He's only played in 12 games in 2018 due to a suspension as well. Mark Ingram's been available. He's been consistent. He's been, though, in possibly the best rushing offenses you can be. Potentially a system running back who's in the best systems you can be in. Whether it's with the Saints and Sean Payton for their run blocking scheme, the one-two punch of him and Alvin Kamara, or now you're going to Baltimore in this Lamar Jackson offense. This man has run good for the past uh, five to six years of his career. The biggest concerns for me are not 
not only the age, but it's also the regression off of what he did. Now, as a fifth round pick, you're not reaching as much as you are with some of these other guys like Singletary and Jones in the second or third round. They drafted J.K. Dobbins in the second round, who's likely going to be the starting running back next year and potentially can even take over this year. They have Gus Edwards back there and then second year player in Justice Hill. Hill is likely to get cut at this point unless they want to keep four running backs on the roster or the scout team. Dobbins in 2019 at Ohio State went for over 300 carries, 301, over 2,000 yards and 21 touchdowns. He caught 23 of 28 targets, a 7.6% target share for 247 yards. He's absolutely dynamite and he fits the mobile quarterback in his backfield offense so well because he's used to it during his time at Ohio State. He was the number one player in 2019 in runs of 15 or more yards with 31 of them. He was number four in yards after contact. This kid, this rookie is going to be fantastic in the league and he's going to the best possible situation that you could go to. Gus Edwards last year. This should probably be at least a J.K. Dobbins role at the worst this year is 34% of the snaps for Edwards last year, 133 carries, 711 yards and two touchdowns. Caught seven of eight targets for 45 yards. So I would expect that that six to eight touch roll at the very least for J.K. Dobbins with a lot of red zone work. The upside here is that J.K. Dobbins can take on 10 to 12 touches. You had Mark Ingram last year when you factor out his receptions, only seeing about 12 and a half to 13 total touches per game and still being a top 10 running back. That does not hold up. That does not stay consistent. Mark Ingram's contract situation is also a little bit interesting. He has an out after this year, after 2021. I expect that to be that to be exercised and him to be gone and J.K. Dobbins based on the second round draft capital to be the starter at least next year. So there's no issues why he can't actually start to take over this year. So marking him for me, although the fifth round is, is not as much of a reach as it is for some of these other guys, I wouldn't start considering taking him until the sixth and probably the seventh round where he likely won't be there for me. I don't want a running back over 30 years old, even if it is in such a good offense with a rookie running back behind you, who's likely going to take touches away. When you have 13 carries per game and you finish as a top 10 running back overall, and you're not known for your pass catching role, like you saw a crazy efficiency spike in last year, I'm just going to stay away from you. So we have two honorable mentions. Those were four deep dives, two honorable mentions that have a lot in common. The first one is Marlon Mack, mainly because Jonathan Taylor is in this backfield. Marlon Mack has never been a pass catching guy. Jonathan Taylor, the best running back that we've seen since Saquon Barkley, in my opinion, uh, quote unquote, generational talent alert, hashtag generational talent alert. He is now going to be in this backfield and likely take on a huge role based on his second round draft capital. And they also traded up to get him. Although Marlon Mack, in my opinion, at just 24 and a half years old is still a really good back. He has had a little bit of issues with staying healthy, not really a pass catcher in general. And he also has the benefit of running behind the best offensive and best interior offensive lineman in the league in Quentin Nelson. He's now going to be in a backfield committee with both Naeem Himes, who's the best pass catcher in this backfield. And now Jonathan Taylor, who's probably the best overall running back in this backfield. And that's just going to hurt him. So we don't have to do as much of a deep dive on this, but Jonathan Taylor last year was the highest graded PFF running back with a 91 grade, 320 carries over 2000 yards in 21 touchdowns, caught 26 of 37 balls for 242 yards. He's not known for his hands or his, his pass catching ability, but he's known for being a, a fantastic pass protector and an amazing inside zone runner. Now he's going to an offense in the NFL that has the best inside zone rushing scheme with Quentin Nelson being there. So this is going to be a fantastic situation for Jonathan Taylor. Out of the three running backs in this backfield, Mac, Naeem Himes, and Taylor, I have the biggest upside, not only in dynasty formats, but in season long redraft for Jonathan Taylor. I don't really want anything to do with Marlon Mack. His ADP though has slipped to about 72 overall. So if you're playing in 10 team leagues, that's the seventh round. If you're playing in 16 teams, that's about the sixth round. At that point, I still don't want it. I'm not drafting Marlon Mack at all. I'm probably not drafting Naeem Himes unless he's like my last pick on the board. Just get Jonathan Taylor or stay away from this backfield in general. Arian Johnson, for very similar reasons, I have no interest in. DeAndre Swift was drafted in the second round, the potentially best running back, the best pass catching running back in this draft, in my opinion, out of Georgia. And you're getting now 
Carryon Johnson going in 12-man leagues around the seventh round, in 10-man leagues around the eighth round, and I'm just not drafting the guy at all. I mean, he was a cloud of dust last year in his eight games. This guy has missed 14 games in his first two years in the season. He has terrible knee injuries, and I don't blame the Lions for taking DeAndre Swift at all. You have a running back who, sure, he has talent, but he can't stay healthy, and now he has the worst possible injuries for a running back in his first two years with a meniscus tear and a knee strain. That's not going to bode well for you. He was 1.27 on yards created per touch last year. That was 27th in the league. He had a 3.5 true yards per carry. That was 57th in the league. Carry on Johnson on his true yards per carry last year on, behind a good offensive line. This was a very good, a top 10 offensive line was very similar to Frank Gore's production in his eight games. That is not good. That is not saying that Carry on Johnson is not a talented player. He is, but he has injuries that are concerning. And now they drafted DeAndre Swift in the second round. I have no interest in drafting Carry on Johnson anywhere in my drafts. Unless he's fallen somehow to like the 11th or 12th round, I have no interest in drafting this guy. His durability is a huge issue. The running back in his backfield now, DeAndre Swift, and then Bo Scarborough, and then also Jason Huntley. Jason Huntley is a rookie running back as well who was taken in the fifth round. Jason Huntley had 40 receptions on 51 targets last year, saw 11% target share at New Mexico State, had over 1,000 yards and over 10 touchdowns on the ground. That's a sneaky player as well. So they draft two running backs. That should tell you all you need to know about the Lions' confidence in carrying on Johnson's health and long-term availability for them. So much so that they spent two top five picks on running backs. And DeAndre Swift, the guy they spent their second round pick on, went for over 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns last year. And he caught 24 balls, a 7.2% target share. First top 25 teams, he averaged five yards per carry, 82 carries, 408 yards, and a touchdown. So you have Swift back there, an elite talent in the pass catching game. I would be fine taking him in drafts. I think he's going a little overdrafted right now. And then you have Jason Huntley, who is probably going to go undrafted in all fantasy drafts. And if you're in a dynasty format or even a really deep team, a 20 team league, you're definitely going to want to draft him. Fifth round capital is not the greatest for a running back, but it at least shows you if they're willing to take two running backs, two running backs with their first four picks overall, then you're not in a good situation if you're carrying on Johnson. Zero interest in drafting this man. So that's it. Those are six running backs to avoid as of today. We're probably going to have some more as the season gets closer, but thank you for tuning into this video. Big old subscribe button is about to pop up. Hit that subscribe button. I appreciate you tuning in. Check out all the stuff down below in the description, the free rookie ranks, the draft guide. If it's not down there yet, it will be very soon. So be sure to come back and check that out or just view one of my other videos. There'll be a playlist at the end of this that pops up all my fantasy football 2020 videos. So if you watch this far and you enjoyed this one, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, hit the like button, hit all three of those things. Big old subscribe button is going to pop up. But then also check out the playlist at the end of this and see if there's any other informative videos, which there are, that you can get some value out of. Take advantage of the monkey knife fight promo down below. I don't know how much longer they're going to be doing that. If you like sports betting, if you like player props, if you're watching this, you definitely are. And if you haven't yet, get on into it. $10 minimum deposit, they'll give you 15. If you want to put in $50, they'll give you 55 back. So go ahead, 100% deposit match up to $50. Promo code's on the screen in Vetri, or you can click the link down below. Thank you so much for tuning into this video. I will see you all in the next one. And let me know down below in the comment section, would you rather have Aaron Jones or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? You all rock. Stay safe out there. Peace out, gang.